For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast. The Super Bowl week Peter King Podcast. Have a couple of really good guests for you this week. Kansas City Chiefs General Manager Brett Veach. An extended conversation with Veach about all things KC, including scouting and recruitment of Patrick Mahomes. He's very good on that. And we'll have Saquon Barkley, one of your favorite running backs. He'll tell how his rehab is going from the ACL and MCL injury in September. He had the surgery in October, and he will tell you right here how he's doing in that rehab and what kind of year he plans to have in 2021. But before that, let's get into the news of the week and talk of the Super Bowl. Let's start first with the trade of uh, Jared Goff to the Detroit Lions, plus three draft choices for Matthew Stafford. I think there are two major elements in this trade. Number one, uh, Sean McVay, the coach of the Rams, thought he needed a better quarterback who could make more consistent big plays downfield in that passing offense. It was clear that he had lost faith in Jared Goff. Now, Goff gets to go to a new team with a totally blank slate in Detroit, And he'll have an opportunity to say that, hey, the problem was not me. It was Sean McVay and his expectations. But we'll see. And as far as the the L.A. part of this goes, I think one of the interesting things about Matthew Stafford going to the Rams is that there's so much in the offense of uh, Sean McVay where he wants to challenge a defense deep downfield. He felt he wasn't able to do that with Jared Goff. And I think now with Matthew Stafford, he thinks, I finally have the guy who was what in the first half of 2018. That's what Jared Goff was. And somehow, some way, late in 2018 uh, and in the last two years, they just haven't had the same deep thrower in Jared Goff as they had there early in 2018. And I think a lot of people have made a very big deal, and rightfully so, about how much the Rams gave up. They give the 89th pick this year, third-round pick, and then first-round picks in 2022 and 2023. And look, as Jimmy Johnson told me in my column this week, just because it's called a first-round pick in 2022 and 23, you have to basically look at this and understand that A first round pick, you know, in 2023, in February of 2021, 
is not worth <clears throat> a first-round pick. It's basically devalued down the road so that it's almost like a late second-round pick. So without getting too technical there, in my opinion, if Matthew Stafford plays well, if he finally fulfills the promise and takes this team that he didn't in Detroit and takes this team to a Super Bowl, I think it will be worth it to the Rams, clearly because they had lost faith in, uh, in Jared Goff to do so. The number two story of the week, what is going to happen with Deshaun Watson? Now, as I reported in my column on Monday this week, I believe that Nick Casario is going to play hardball with Deshaun Watson. He understands that in his first month, in his first year as an NFL general manager, he does not want to be known as the guy who traded Deshaun Watson. And that basically is what's going to happen if, uh, if he trades Deshaun Watson, particularly by the draft. My gut feeling is Deshaun Watson's not going to get traded by the draft. If Houston sticks to its guns, I think that we are in for a long haul dispute between Deshaun Watson, who obviously wants out, and between the Texans, who obviously understand with all of the upheaval in their organization, new GM, new coach, um, and with all the upheaval, knowing that everybody is expecting Deshaun Watson to be traded, I think there's one other thing nobody's talking about. I mean, I don't think J.J. Watt is all that happy right now with what's going on in this organization. And I think there may be a J.J. Watt story coming up in the not-too-distant future. I don't know anything, but I just think that J.J. Watt looking at this does not want to be the last Texan standing. So stay tuned. We'll all stay tuned. Just because, you know, you hear things in this business, a lot of times you don't know exactly what's going to happen. But I will not be surprised if J.J. Watt, I, I don't think J.J. Watt is just going to sit idly by and another year play for a 3-13, and 4-12, and 5-11 and 11 Houston Texans team. Number three, the Super Bowl's going on this week. Did you notice? And obviously a weird week. It's very low on the media uh, uh, scale because there's not a lot of us down there right now. I am going to the Super Bowl on Wednesday. <clears throat> I'm sorry, on Thursday. And so I'll be covering it, but I have no idea what that means. We'll find out. I'll let you know on next week's podcast. And I think one of the things that's going to be so interesting is how different a feel it will have when, first of all, there's a home team in the game. You know, if if you were to stand at the practice field, at the 50-yard line of the practice field of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you can just sort of look over your shoulder, look right over here, and less than half a mile away, about half a mile away, there's Raymond James Stadium. They will be working out at their home field the whole week, sleeping in their own beds. And obviously, they will be able to have a home game. Now, Kansas City Chiefs, they'll be flying in this weekend. And so they'll be treating this almost exactly like a normal road game. So obviously, that part of it is very strange. I'll tell you what I think is the big matchup in this show, in this game. And that is... It's going to be not necessarily, I don't look at this as quarterback versus quarterback. 
and it's a cliche, but they don't play against each other. I look at this as can the Tampa Bay front, defensive front, make uh, Patrick Mahomes really uncomfortable the way they made Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable in the NFC Championship game? The reason that I think they will be able to make Mahomes uncomfortable is because not only uh, are, are is Kansas City playing two backup tackles instead of Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, <clears throat> it's not only that they're playing those guys there, but it's that the two rushers on Tampa Bay, Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, are on a hot streak. They're coming off an NFC Championship game with five sacks combined of Aaron Rodgers. So I think that is going to be a huge element for Kansas City if they're able to hold off that pass rush and let Patrick Mahomes be Mahomes with that great receiving group, then I think obviously Kansas City is going to win this game. I'm going to pick Tampa because I really like the defensive pressure that I think they're going to be able to put on Mahomes. And unlike when they played in week 12 and Tyreek Hill just wreaked havoc uh, on the secondary of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I really think that this secondary has matured. All six guys with prominent playing time in that secondary, all six, 24 or younger, all six drafted in the last three years. And this is a young group that has matured down the stretch, played very, very well down the stretch in the NFL championship game against Aaron Rodgers. I think they're going to play well. I mean, I guess it's a little bit of an upset, but I think Tampa Bay is going to win this game narrowly. And I think Tom Brady will play his 10th consecutive Super Bowl in a game decided by 10 points or less. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. So... Let's get into our conversations this week. <clears throat> We're going to start off with the general manager of Kansas City, Brett Beach. So happy to be joined this week on the podcast by Brett Veach, the general manager of the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, and obviously the Chiefs back in Super Bowl 55. You know, Brett, I, I think the first thing I would like to ask you is essentially that, you know, Everybody talks about repeating and how difficult it is to repeat. And I wonder 
how was that sort of made more difficult, if at all, uh, by the pandemic? Well, I mean, certainly, you know, just winning games in this league is, is tough enough. And then when we had that um, experience and opportunity to win a Super Bowl, um, coming back, you know, there's there's always, you know, the distractions that you have and, um, you know, the bullseyes placed firmly on your back. So uh, certainly, you know, you realize that when you go through something like that, the teams are going to always show up and give you their A game. And there's not going to be um, a team that comes to Arrowhead and, and has – um, a lack of motivation or kind of an emotional letdown. So you really, and coach talked about it all year. You really get these teams their, their best shot. I mean, they know that um, number one, they're playing the defending champions, but they're also probably going to be on national TV or it's probably going to be seen a, a game seen throughout the country. So uh, they want to give it the best shot. So when you have those factors that come into play and, and Peter, you and I talked about this over the summer, then you throw in the factor for, on our side, not having fans and having that practice-like environment out there, um, there certainly um, could have been a lot of excuses this team, you know, could have had in regards to their performance week in and week out. But, you know, credit to the staff, credit to the team, credit to the players we have in this locker room for, for staying locked in, staying focused, and, um, you know, rolling through the regular season um, at the pace in, in which we did. It wasn't pretty at times, but our guys have a lot of, a lot of character and, and, you know, they – they figured out ways to win football games. You know, did you ever have a situation during the season where you get the dreaded 5 a.m. phone call, um, you know, maybe from your infection control officer? Or you find yourself talking to Andy very early where you had some significant issues? Yeah, I mean, I'm probably like most GMs. Like we had those throughout the season. Um you know, just looking at the landscape of the NFL, I don't think that um, it was as prevalent as some other places, but we certainly had our share of scares and close calls and, and right to the wire. We had a few players, as you know, Peter test positive, um, you know, McCall Hardman and Anthony Sherman, and then our, our trainer actually got it as well. So, uh, but there was also a number of, of close calls throughout the weeks and, and false positives and what have you. But I think mentally we were prepared, uh, you know, the way that Rick and his training staff um, implemented our process prior to training camp starting. And, you know, the fact that we had 16 practice squad members, uh, we knew it was just a matter of if not when, if we would have to play a game or two without players. And um, so I think psychologically, um, just from the whole lead in time to the season, I think that really helped us prepared. And, and I think, from my standpoint, I mean, you see that other teams like the Denver Broncos and, and what have you, other teams had to do this. So, um, you know, there were a lot of scary phone calls, but I think mentally we were prepared to have that next man up approach. And if it, if we run into a scenario or a situation where we have to play without a player too, I mean, this is the landscape and, and, you know, this is how the setup will be this year. Um, you know, fortunately, I don't think there were many games that, that guys missed. So that's, that's a credit to our great training staff, um, how they've implemented the protocols here, and then really our players of knowing what's at stake and, and really looking out for one another. I find it uh, pretty interesting that you guys, last year you ended the season winning your last nine games this year, and, and then this year you go through a really, really good year. And let's not include week 17. Mahomes doesn't play. You, you rest some guys. But if you don't include that game, you've won 25 out of 26. And as you say, you're basically a primetime game from the middle of last year until now. 
you're a primetime game every week. And so when you look at that and see that in all those games, you know, with the exception of week 17, you're 25 and one, what do you attribute that to? Well, I mean, it starts it's, it starts from the top, you know, with Clark and, and the ownership, just, you know, putting the right people in the right places. And, and you know, and you don't have to look too far after Clark to go right to, to Coach Reed. Um, you know, the attention to detail, I, you know, the, the teams throughout the league, there's there's so much talent week in and week out. And, and look, we've won a lot of these games. But as you know, a lot of these games have been close. Um, and that just speaks to the talent. Um, but it, it goes, you know, really to the character, the guys, just the, the trust, the belief in the system and the belief in in one another. Um, you know, last year we had that run where we were down double digits in all the playoff games. And I think it, over time when, you know, you start winning games like that, just the sense of we've been here before and, you know, we know that the way this league is set up and, and the talent that you face week in and week, week out. I mean, it's, it's never going to be um, roll the ball out there and win by, by 30 points. Uh, most of the time, these games are going to come down um, to the wire. Um, but, you know, our offense gets a ton of credit and, um, you know, we got, we got the best player in the game in Pat. So rightfully so. Um, but the defense has done a really good job and, and Steve has done a really good job of, of really picking um you know, you'd like to think it doesn't happen often, but every now and then when our offense needs a little shot in the arm, it, it seems like almost right on time the defense is there. And, you know, you saw it uh, last year in the playoff run, and you know, in our games against Tennessee and, and against the Niners. Um, and then last week versus Buffalo, our defense really stepped up. So when the defense has to uh, complement the offense, they do. And and then on, on the flip side, I think just going through so much time together a lot of the guys are familiarities there, but again, there's just that belief and trust in one another that at the end of the day, that, you know, if, if one side of the ball is, is down, the other side will be there for him. I kind of felt for Josh Allen in the championship game because here's Patrick Mahomes. He's played, I think that was his seventh playoff game. He's won six of them and he's used to playing and not only playoff games, but I mean, Patrick Mahomes last year was down 10 with eight minutes to go in the Super Bowl and led his team to three touchdowns, you know, down the stretch in the biggest game of his life. And I think to some degree you have to experience that. And you have to be sort of – you have to build the calluses of playing in the huge games to not sort of be overwhelmed by them. And I'm not saying the Bills or Josh Allen were overwhelmed. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is – it's a tremendous uh, advantage, in my opinion, when you've had some of the experiences that Patrick and your team have had. It's like, you know, Brady has played 9,000 playoff games. He's not going to wake up on Super Sunday thinking, oh, my God, what do I do? You know, he's just he's used to that. If you could, can you kind of analyze how important playing in these games and being veterans of these games actually helps you play in, in more of them. Yeah. And it's really, it's just hand handling situational football. Um, to your point, uh, certainly Buffalo has done a great job. Uh, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, and, and Josh Allen is a great player. Uh, but to your point, Peter, about, you know, getting those calluses and working through adversity, you know, I think this whole run that we've had here was set up really back, I guess, in 18 when we experienced those, those games, you know, the, um, the shootout fest that we lost in, in, in the Coliseum against the Rams. And then when we go in the playoffs and, and win our first playoff game, and then we get down right off the bat versus 
Tom Brady and the Patriots, we come back only to lose a game in overtime. Um, so it, it kind of the experience is 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 so necessary, I think, to take that next step. And you've seen it with all these teams over the years that have gone on to, you know, to have some sustained success that it didn't just happen one year. They just rolled out and they had a great team. I mean, it, it usually took a few years of getting close, getting close, getting close. I think we were kind of close prior to Pat becoming the starter. Once Pat became the starter, we had some success and um, ultimately came up short that, that fueled us, um, you know, in regards to what we did as an organization in the off season. But that experience is something that, you know, when you get to this stage, you always look back on those games and to have those um, events happen uh, throughout the course of multiple seasons, having that mindset on stuff that you can fall back on and, and those experiences to draw back on are so invaluable when you get in these games, because everyone knows, you know, the, the, the tempo at which the game is played, there's the preseason, right? And then the tempo ranks up for the regular season and then the playoffs. But then even the championship games, you can feel the level of intensity and um, that is out there. Even from I mean, the AFC championship game, I remember to the way I even felt and I'm not playing that Super Bowl. It's almost every play. But the guys have over time built this mentality where they realize that it is a four quarter game and every team is going to have a run kind of like the NBA. You're going to have runs. Um, don't panic when the run isn't in your favor. Um, just hold the, hold the line, hold the fort down. And then we're going to have an opportunity at some point. And our guys have done a great job of, you know, not pressing when things don't look good, just staying in the course, you know, understanding that it's a long game, understanding that we're going to have opportunities. And if we stay patient uh, and not press, we'll capitalize on the opportunity then we'll have a shot, you know, toward the end of the game. Again, a mindset really instilled by our coach, you know, Andy's never too high, never too low. He's always very even keeled. And I think that team has kind of bought into that mind step on a broader view when they approach games like that, not going to get too high, not going to get too low. When our opportunities are there, we're going to be prepared and mentally ready to take advantage of them. Mahomes seems to accept almost all of these challenges so coolly and I wonder what you see behind the scenes he's 25 years old anytime he gets on this year a zoom screen you know he's making jokes or he's laughing he's you know it's like nothing really bugs him take me into uh Patrick Mahomes inside your building what you've seen this year as he comes back as a defending champion I mean he's just ultimate competitor and if you were in the building, you would see him holding his iPad, walking around with his iPad from room to room. Um, I think sometimes we get caught up in in his talent, which is immense, his arm strength, his creativity, his ability to extend plays, the no look passes, um, you know, the the throws off a of one leg off platform. Certainly, it's very easy to get caught up in all that. Um, but the the student of the game, um, you know. That element, I think, gets lost sometimes. Just how much this guy studies and prepares. Uh, you know, we 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 play the AFC Championship game on on Sunday, Monday morning. I come through the training room at six o'clock and I glance over. He's on the table, getting his his toe worked on, and he's got an iPad and a notepad. I mean, on on Monday morning, um, I I don't think people realize just how smart he is and and just how dedicated to the craft he is. I mean, he works extremely hard, doesn't take anything for granted, and you know, he realizes that 
no matter how much talent you have at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the chess game. It's, you know, what are they going to run and are we prepared to handle what they're going to throw at us? Even if we have faster players and even if we have a better quarterback, if, if our guys are not ready for the mental game and teams are more prepared or can out prepare you, you can lose in this game. And, and he understands that, that he doesn't take his, that side for granted. And he knows he's talented. He knows that he can make plays when play shouldn't be there. But he also understands that if you don't put in the time and the sacrifice um, again, it doesn't matter how much talent you have on the side of the ball. If you get out coached or out prepared uh, from a player standpoint, you can lose any game this week um, or any game in any week, I should say. So, um, you know, that's the one thing that I think people had a chance to see behind the scenes. They have no idea just how dedicated and how hard he worked just with his film study. You can sort of tell that when you go back to NFL Films last year at the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I ended up writing a lot about this, but about two jet chip wasp, you know, the the winning the the play that you know Mahomes throws deep to uh, Tyreek Hill on that drive to kind of get get you guys life. But I found it so interesting when NFL Films released its footage that week. They have Patrick very calmly now he is about to have the biggest play of his football life. You know, you guys are, you know, you're, you're down, uh, you're down 10 and and it's, and it's late and you've got to make something happen right now. And very calmly, he says to Eric B enemy, your offensive coordinator, do we have time to run wasp? And it's like, he knew coming to the sidelines exactly what he wanted to do. And the reason I really like the way you guys work as a as a football team, you describe the collaboration and personnel with Andy Reid a lot. But what I think is so interesting is that the quarterback comes to the sidelines, suggests the play that he wants. Uh and Kafka, you know, Mike Kafka, your offense, your quarterback coach, talk about it. Yeah, yeah, we think so. You know, let's talk to Andy. So they talk to Reed. Reed says, Yeah, yeah, let's run it. And so Basically, it's like almost like an egalitarian society. You know, everybody's got ownership. It's the biggest play of Patrick Mahomes' life. It's the biggest play of your season. Quarterback suggests that everybody says, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do it. Knowing that it's important for the quarterback to think, this is the play I really want to run here. Well, yeah, I mean, the trust is is – off the charts here and and really as an organization as you mentioned peter i think that's what makes um working here and and being part of this right now so special um there's there's the accountability um but there's the trust and you know when, when pat in many scenarios that we have on all different levels of, of football operation but just that small example of pat recommending a play it goes back to the trust but also that there was film study that understanding the situation in the game, third and 15, late in the game, what type of coverage they'll be playing. Um, and you even hear him say it in that play, really any um, any down. I mean, I think they said, what down is it? Really any down, it doesn't matter because we're probably going to get this look. Um, but knowing the work was put in and having that, um, you know, that relationship that we have, whether it be Coach Reed and his staff with my staff or the coaches have with their players, that, you know, there's going to be accountability, but the guys are going to do the work. And when they're in positions to make suggestions or throw out ideas, um, that trust is there because we each know 
with our departments and working with each other's department that the work had been done already, right? So the work had been done, um, makes sense. Give me your ideas and, you know, we're going to trust each other because we know we put in the legwork again behind the scenes. And it's, it's very similar to the way that Coach Reed and I approach an offseason. Um, you know, it, it's he's been doing it a long time, but we have that relationship when I come to coach, um, you know, with a suggestion for a free agent signing or a draft pick in really any round, it's almost like, all right, let's, let's roll with it. Um, and that's exactly how he handled Pat. All right, let's roll with it. Um, but there's, it's motivating for the players because they know that, um, you know, they're going to have their opportunity to provide insight and it, it shows ownership. But again, it's motivating for our personnel staff when coaches like, all right, let's roll with it because they're going to trust you. And it's motivating to work hard and, and to put all that legwork in prior to even getting to the game or getting to the draft or getting to free agency. Um, because, um, you know, you know, from the top down from Clark to Andy, that they're going to have the ultimate trust in you and, and believe in, in your opinions and your ideas and, and really what your gut tells you at that time. You know, I remember last year in June speaking to you about when you signed Mahomes to the 10-year contract. And it just, even though, oh, yeah, of course you'd want to sign the guy to a long contract if you can. No question about it. Still, guy's 24 years old at the time you sign him. He's only played in the NFL now for a couple of years. He's still a baby in the game. And yet you guys looked at it and said, we trust this guy, you know, we trust him to babysit our kids. And so I wonder when you look back at that now, did you consider it to be a tremendous leap of faith to do that? Or did you consider it to be just an absolutely logical next step? Oh, it was the absolutely logical next step for us. I mean, we, we had seen enough. Uh, and I think, again, the common theme here is the trust because, um, you know, we – from day one, going back from moving up to drafting this kid, we believed that this kid would take us to where we went, we needed to be. Um, and then having that experience, um, we, you know, listen, we couldn't get to the negotiating tables fast enough. We wanted to get this done and put behind us. But also, Peter, on the flip side, the trust that Pat showed in the organization, um, clearly I had joked about this when he signed. I don't know if you can sign the richest sports contract in, in, in U.S. history. and you know, feel like you got a bargain because I mean, certainly Pat could have wanted this or wanted that, but he trusted, he wanted to be here. He knew the money was going to be astronomical, but he also trusted us to get this done, to provide us some flexibility throughout the duration of the contract to get players. So he trusted us that I'm going to do this. We're going to knock it out now. And I'm going to leave some, some structure within the contract because I, I trust in coach Reed. I, I trust in Brett Beach and his organization that they're going to continue to bring in good players here to help me win, to help us win um, on both sides of the football. And again, that trust was twofold in that we believed in him and we want him to start and end his career in Kansas City. And then he believed in us to get this done. So it wasn't a distraction. But again, also allow uh, enough maneuverability for us to continue to add um, to the talent that we have on our roster. So I think it was certainly, you know, on both sides there. And I think that's the cool thing. Yeah, I want to ask you one other thing. I think this is the best story you've ever told me about uh, about the the process of scouting homes. And you've told me a few, but I, I thought it was hilarious that, you know, one day 
this was in the middle of Alex Smith playing well for you. You know, I think it was 2016, maybe. And <clears throat> obviously, Mahomes is entering his, uh, you know, his 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 last year, and he's going to play. And so, you you basically love Mahomes all along. You 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 think he's great. And all during that year, you would text highlights of Mahomes to to, to Andy Reid to show him. But then late in the year. Andy calls you into his office, and you got to tell me about about when he showed you this Mel Kiper Todd McShay mock first round for 2017, and yeah. conspicuously absent yeah. is your favorite quarterback. I want you to tell me that story. Well, no, as you mentioned, um, I certainly have a tendency when I get excited to ship clips of of tape to coach, and um, I had done that obviously quite a bit with Patrick. So um, it started off as September, October, sending clip after clip and started off with coach saying, wow, that's impressive. Can't wait to watch. Cool throw to no responses in October and November, because now we're getting close to the playoffs with our team to December where it was like, all right, just stop, dude. Like, that's enough. Like we'll get. (laughs) And then late in December, I guess when the college seasons had wrapped up prior to the bowl games, they start, releasing the mock draft so so we went from early on getting the clips it's cool to uh, no comment to uh, all right just you're wearing me out now just give me a breather here and then a few weeks later after it was enough with the the clips he calls me he said hey pop over here real quick I want I want to show you something so he um he called me in and he had a, a printout of a, of a mock draft and Pat Mahomes was nowhere to be seen he's like, <laughs> he was like you know I hope you're not going nuts here with this kid. I mean, because like quarterbacks typically aren't, I mean, some receivers and some linemen kind of come out of nowhere, but quarterbacks simply, I mean, these guys, everybody knows who the guys are. So he called me and he was like, he was like, I hope, you know, I hope you're not half nuts here because this guy's not even on a mock draft. He's nowhere to be. Seen. <laughs> I, I, lo- I kind of laughed and, you know, it wasn't a great look at the time, but I said, well, you know, long way to go coach. And then I just left, but uh, needless to say, it all worked out, but that was, now, we still joke about it now. Uh, I actually think he still might have that mock handout in his desk somewhere. Well, that's pretty yeah. funny. Um, Brett, I, I want to just ask you a little bit about the difficulty in team building, in scouting, and all that. I mean, especially in a year where you can't go out, where you can't be on campus. And you're no different from any of the other teams. But not only do you draft late, you know, in the round, but you're you're not able to see players and talk to them and experience them as you usually do. What has it been like for you this year as Italian evalu- talent evaluator watching college football? It's it, this year. It's been unique um, and different. I think last um, off season, though, after the combine, everything was shut down, so we had a lot of experience to draw upon. I think when you go through something like um, like we did last off season and in regards to our access this fall, you understand that there are hurdles and that there are challenges. And I think as a, a GM and as a staff, we just have to highlight, okay, well, how can we compensate and, and how can we make up from some of the dialogue and information that we're missing on one end? And I think, and I really believe last year, we have such a collaborative process with the coaches, but last year, because 
we couldn't work out people and the pro days were shut down. It really forced us to, again, we work a lot with our assistant coaches in regards to where we are roster wise, but the infusion of the zooms of pretty much every prospect after the combine was a zoom conference and sitting in there with our personnel directors and with our coaches, um, on the offensive side, Spags and whatever position it was, whether it be a D-back, a DB coach or a linebacker, linebacker coach. And on the offensive side, same thing with EB and the position coaches. Having so much of the Zoom call, I think, really brought us even closer together. I mean, we're, we're a close-knit group and, and we have great dialogue prior to this pandemic. But being in on every interview and hearing the coach's angle and then once the player um, or prospect would, would get off the Zoom and then having that deliberation with the coaching staff, um, really helped us. And I look at last year's draft and, and how that communication and dialogue, how, how it helped us and, and how we compensated for not physically being around the player so much. You look at, you know, the Mike Dana, a lot of people think he wouldn't get drafted, but, you know, we thought in addition to his tape that we like, we just got the feel for him in our deliberation. And same thing with um, Legereus Sneed. So I think that it's it's never going to be exactly the way you want it if you can't have as much access as, um, as you can. But I think that we did a really good job of compensating and finding out, you know, how we can make up our, you know, our limited exposure. Well, you know, and we, I think we figured out that we became – um, better in regards to just our ability to communicate and, and put the, the pieces together just because of the nonstop Zooms. I mean, these were literally like two, three, four Zooms a day for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, so I, I think we, we kind of perfected the craft and we even joked about it that uh, these Zooms are pretty good. So um, this will always be a part of scouting now. The, the you know, the, the in-house visits and the, the pro days will still be there, but um, the volumes and you know, the amount of Zoom calls I think will be here with, in scouting forever. Jason Light was telling me a story the other day about Tyler Johnson and how they discovered him, the receiver from Minnesota, not discovered him, but how they did their work on him. They actually saw him at the bowl game in Tampa. He and Arians both went to the game and they they left the game and they said, oh, my God, we got to get this guy. And he's been a real contributor in this postseason, obviously. I'm curious, you mentioned Legereus Sneed. One of the most interesting stories, I think, this year in the entire season, because you look at him now and he looks like he's been playing in the NFL for eight years. There is nothing. He's like Antoine Winfield in terms of, you know, just add water, put him in the game. He's ready. And yet, you know, he lasts to what? The fourth round. And, you know, he's a he's a bigger corner. He's very fast. What did you see in Legereus Sneed? that other people didn't. And what do you remember about the scouting process for him? Well, you're right, Peter. And after the game on, on Sunday, I was asked about Legereus and, and I said, I think we were uh, more lucky than smart on that one because had you had one of these draft do-overs, I mean, you can make a case for this kid being the first corner taken and, and being a first round pick. Um, so Legereus was interesting because he played a whole bunch of different positions at Louisiana Tech. And uh, his, his last season there, he played safety. Um, and going through the process and, and looking at years prior, uh, his corner tape was really, we thought as a staff, really stood out. His ta- safety tape was good, uh, but they asked him to do so many different things. That sometimes the tape, you know how this is when you're watching safeties, especially at the college level, you can go games where there's not a lot of point of, of contact plays. Right. So it, it was a little bit 
fragmented and slow at times. But when you go back to the junior tape and watch him play corner, I think early on in that year, he played against LSU and all the Jeffersons and the Jamar Chases and all. And I mean, the kid was really impressive on that tape. Um, and, you know, I remember, you know, talking about that junior tape. And then when we finally got to the process where we were um, collaborating with the coaches, um, letting Dave Merritt and uh, Sam Madison and Coach Spags know, like, just make sure you watch the junior stuff. Uh, and Steve came back early on and he said, I mean, this junior stuff is is the real deal. And, and like this kid as an outside corner prospect, again, very lucky that he was there. The one thing that really took us by surprise, again, a small school kid, lasted late, knew he had size, all liked him as an outside corner, thought he'd be a, a potential player. So when we got into camp, we were made – aware early on that Bashad Breeland was going to be suspended. So we were kind of crossing our fingers, hoping this kid would be ready to hold the fort down for a few weeks. And I think his ability to come from a small school um, to be a, a fourth round pick and to, and again, his camp was good, but again, no preseason games. So, yeah. So how could you know, how, how would you know? Um, but then I, the first game, I mean, the kid looked like he'd been playing the game for two or three years at this level. Um, but his instincts were, were phenomenal. And then I think he has a pick really the first three weeks, opening game against Houston, a pick. And then he comes back in the San Diego game. Really, San Diego can go up two scores late, has a big pick late against Herbert that turned the tide and helped us win that game. Then he gets a pick, I believe, in Baltimore, hurts his shoulder. So he misses another four or five weeks. Uh, of the season with with a um, a broken clavicle, and by this time now Bashad is back and Ward's back, but and they're playing good football. But this kid is so talented. We're like, we got to get our best players on the field. So we're like, all right, throw let's throw them inside. And the kid's our best nickel now. So that's wow. been, you know, I think we all obviously liked the prospect and thought he could be a starting corner, but to come in here and um, stand out on week one, start one of his NFL career um, to leave such an impression that when he came back off of the injured list, we had to get him on the field to now turning into one of the better nickel players. Um, it, it's just phenomenal. And, and again, I, I, I joked about it after the game, but I, they had a draft you over. This kid goes in the first round. So um, really lucky with him. But the kid, the instincts and his ability to play any position and just pick up different, different concepts because – Obviously, there's certainly multiple co concepts and, and assignments wherever you play, but to effortlessly just be able to go, you know, from one position to another at this level against this type of talent has just been phenomenal. So certainly credit to the kid, but ob obviously, you know, the job that Coach uh, Spagnola has done with Dave Merritt and Sam Madison has been phenomenal too because these guys are, again, no OTAs, no training camp, small school prospect coming in here, and wherever you throw the kid, he's making plays. So um, it's just a great job from, you know, from certainly the kid, but again, just that defensive staff and, and the way they prepared this kid. Uh, Brett, we'll end with this. Obviously, this is a different year, a different Super Bowl, not being on scene, uh, you know, in Tampa and soaking up all the, um, you know, the events and everything. And it's, it almost feels like, to me anyway, like, well, you're just playing a road game, <laughs> you know? And I wonder, how do you guys look at it as an organization? How different is this Super Bowl week than last year's Super Bowl week? Oh, I mean, it, it's obviously certainly different. As you mentioned, you know, having experienced that last year, 
I mean, what what an experience to go down there and, and, and to practice all week and, and to soak it all in. And from the opening night ceremonies to the um, the busing of the practices to the events that everyone gets to do. And really, their families are a big part of that, too. Um, you know, it, it certainly will be different. But I think from a, a thousand foot view, just knowing what not just the country, the world has gone through just the ability to play this game. Uh, you know, I don't think any of us take it for granted. The, the job that the league that has done has been phenomenal. Um, all these other sports have had issues and cancellations and postponements to think that we're playing a full contact sport um, through the height of the cold flu season in November and December um, to get through that, to be where we are. Uh, yeah. It certainly stinks for everyone involved to not have that experience because it is so special and so unique, but again, taking a step back and just, um, you know, the world has gone through so much and just to have the opportunity to, to play in this game and to give some, something for people to take their minds off of what's going on right now um, is also another important aspect of this. And I think the guys just realize that at the end of the day that, you know, there, there couldn't be a, a luckier group um, than, than obviously Tampa Bay down there and, and Kansas city up here to have this opportunity to, to, um, to give the world something to, to sit back and, and bond together and, and enjoy is, is a cool deal. So I think those guys are embracing that aspect of it. It's pretty amazing. 269 games, including the playoffs and all of them, it appears right now, knock on wood, will happen on time. It's, it's fairly amazing. But anyway, Brett, uh, Brett Beach, general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, really appreciate you joining me this week. Good luck in Super Bowl 55. Thanks for having me on, Peter. Always a pleasure. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. And now I'll be joined by Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants. I talked to Barkley before he went into battle in a huge video game contest at the Super Bowl on Tuesday night. So you will hear some discussion of my absolute incompetence and non-knowledge about video games. And then we'll get into some, I guess, real football conversation with Saquon Barkley. Back on the podcast, really happy to be joined by Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants. Um, Saquon uh, is participating 
along with other NFL players and gamers in something I have absolutely no clue about. It's the Verizon 5G Stadium in Fortnite. Fans will be able to tune in on Twitch and on Twitter, uh, and you are going to be able to watch this. Uh, Verizon 5G, you're going to be able to watch this from seven different camera angles. No lag time on the Verizon 5G Super Stadium in the NFL app. So, Saquon, I've just read this thing, and I am a total video game idiot. I don't play them. I don't do them. And I've got two big questions about this. Okay, number one, why is it that almost every player in the NFL absolutely loves video games? They love Fortnite. They spend so many waking hours doing this. What is it about that that a 63-year-old man is missing out on? Uh, I think it's just the attraction to the game. Um, you can play with your friends. Uh, you can play solo. You get to get that little competitive edge out. Um, so for me, uh, you know, I always was into video games, but kind of got more into video games uh, with the injury this year. Um, you got a lot more time on your hand. Uh, so you got to you got to find things to replace it. But um, it's a fun game. It's a fun game. And, um, you know, Verizon, what they're doing is pretty cool. And I'm excited to, to be able to do that today. Does your competitive streak really come out when you're playing? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, sadly. Um, to say that. Um, <laughs> Are you a jerk when you play? Uh, it depends uh, <laughs> how bad I lose. Um, you know, you still got to be smart about the things that you say. You can't really say what you want to say. Uh, but there's some times where uh, I, I catch myself and I'm like, all right, come on, Saquon. It, it, it's a video game. You got to do better. <laughs> so uh, are the are the same players who are really good at sports really no. good at video games? That's no? Not no, that's not true. That's not true at all. Uh, you could be as talented as you want in sport. Um, but these the video games is like a whole different world. Um, there's some like true elite talented players um, that like you watch and play. And you're just like, whoa! Like I could put in <clears throat> ten hours a day, and I will never be that good um, as that person. Okay, so who in football is really really good? Like, do you have any teammates who are great at video games who, when you play um, them at Fortnite, they might they might just drown you? Mm-hmm. Trying to think, my teammates. I uh, know, nah, none of them was on a level like uh, like a T two or no cyber level guys. Um, but who's the best one? I would say the best one I personally know uh, would it be my teammate, would it be my boy from from home. Uh, wow, we call him the great one. Uh, I would say he he's probably one of the best ones I I seen on a video game. Okay, now, but. Is he's not a football player? We grew up. We grew up. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. His his claim to fame is a he 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 started over me in high school. So wow. Okay, so um, one other video game question before you get into this big deal tonight. You know, I wonder is is there anything about it that relaxes you, or does it simply fill time before? you have to do whatever it is you're going to do next. I would say it fills time. Um, can fill up a lot of time, to be completely honest. Uh, you can look down, it's 1 o'clock, and before you know it, it can be 5, 4. 
just like that. Um, it's fun. It's fun. It's entertaining. Um, you know, they get creative with the game. Uh, it, it challenges you, you know, especially you when you first get in there, you're, you're completely awful. Um, and, like, it's like that's how they get you. It's like you're, you're, you suck at the game. You're like, all right, how can I get better? And then you catch yourself watching, like, a YouTube clip of other people playing. Um, so it, I would say more for, for filling up time, um, especially with time now, uh, with during the season when I had so much more time on my hand. I would say that's what I definitely use it for. Um, and can you watch other people play video games? Like I, I live in Brooklyn, and one day, this is a year or so ago, there was like 18,000 people at Barclays Center watching uh, people play video games. And it's like it's become a spectator sport yeah, now. Yeah, so is, making, it, yeah, is that interesting to you at all? Uh, nah, nah. I mean, like, I might watch a clip of here. Uh, just to see, like, wow, like that person amazing, and like, or like to learn a little something, but like to sit and watch someone else play uh, video games, unless you're like watching on Twitch, like a lot of fans watching on Twitch, but like to actually go to a stadium um, and like watch it like a sporting event. I don't know if I personally uh, would be into that, um, but there's a lot of people who are, so um, you can't, I can't fault for it. Okay, and explain one other thing. This event you're doing tonight in, you know, playing Fortnite, like, are people from all over going to be tuning in and watching you? Is there going to be any sort of feeling like you're playing a game? Uh, I guess you could say um, anyone from, yeah, they can tune in from anywhere uh, on Twitch uh, to be able to watch today. Um, but, yeah, I guess in a stadium that we have and in a little race that we're, we're going to be doing and putting on, uh, I guess you could say it's going to have a little game vibes to it. Um, so I'm definitely going to be prepared and, and try to uh, wherever I can, how many times I can win, win as much as I can. Yeah. Um, so, Saquon, let's talk a little bit about you right now and a little bit about your life. This had to be a really, really weird year for you because you hurt your knee uh, against the Chicago Bears. You tear your ACL September 20, and you go about six weeks before you actually have the surgery. You have the surgery late October uh, in L.A., and, and then for the last two, three months, I take it, you have been rehabbing. Can you sort of tell me the story about what your fall has been like and how different has it been for you in not playing football and instead rehabbing? Oh, yeah, definitely different. Um, typically, on it sucks, uh, especially during <laughs> football season. Um, Sundays are probably the best and worst day um, because I get to go watch uh, my guys go out there and ball. Um, but at the same time, you know, miss it and, and wish that I was able to be out there with them um, and then be able to help them with some games. Uh, but yeah, got hurt against Chicago, tore my ACL, um, six weeks, had to wait six weeks to get surgery. Um, so I let my MCL heal and, and scar pretty well. Um, that, that was the idea, um, before I, uh, got, got surgery, <clears throat> but, um, I kind of, I guess you could say those six weeks makes it feel so much longer. Um, but right now just in rehab, um, you know, you got to start over. Uh, you, you got to teach yourself how to get your balance. You got to teach yourself how to walk um, and, you know, the steps and steps and steps after that. Um, but 
uh, I think this rehab, this process is, is going to help me into a better person. I'm not just a better player. Um, it's teaching me a lot, teaching me patience. Um, you know, especially during the rehab process, you, you, you got to be patient. You can't just go out there and push it too much. You got to know uh, when to push it and when to pull off. And uh, there's those days that, uh, you know, you, you might be down a little bit, but um, you can't let those days impact you. Um, you know, those days you might feel down. You got to, it's kind of like competing with yourself. You're, 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 your body is challenging yourself, um, and, it's, and it's who you're going to be in that day, who you're going to be in that moment. And I think that applies to not just only football, but also in life. Let's go back to September 20 on the field at Soldier Field in Chicago. Did you know right away? Yeah. Um, I didn't know what I did, but I knew I never felt that in my knee or never felt that at all in my what life. What was the sensation? Um, it was just like a weird, like, like people say they hear pop, I didn't hear pop, but it was just like a weird like, like, like the best yeah. way to explain like, like, and I remember just um, it was Eddie. Eddie made a tackle. Um, he got in on me, and I was trying to like throw him by to stay in balance and keep going. Um, and my knee just was kinda, it Eddie Jackson. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and my my knee just kind of just gave out on me, and um, I remember being on the on, on the sideline and. You know, you hear the hoot and hollering because, like, I, like he made a play on me. But I guess people realized when that I wasn't, I was actually banged up. And you just like it was stadiums already quiet because no one was there. Um, yeah. And you can, it gets even more quiet than that. And then, um, you know, at the moment, the, the doctors came and they did the the trainers came and doc came and they did a test on my knee. Um, but even before the test, I knew something something bad happened. That's why I like punched the ground. Um, yeah, I was kind of more like. Uh, just upset with myself to be completely honest did they tell you right away that they thought it was your acl they don't tell you right there um they like give the look <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, sorry they for laughing like, <laughs> okay it's not like they're like well they look at you and like you tore your acl like they do the tests and they look at you and then they look at each other and like they kind of nod and you're kind of like okay and then, yeah. and then when you try to get up you try to walk you can't walk um, and you kind of realize, but for me, they told me uh, in the back, um, in the locker room, um, when I was back there, uh, and probably the lowest point in my life, uh, to be completely honest. Um, I'm laughing about it, smiling about it now, uh, because I can see myself in that moment and how I was acting in that moment. Um, but you know, everything happened for a reason, and you know, I'll say I wish that it never happened, but uh, like I said, not only are things gonna make me a better football player, um, I do think it's gonna help me just overall as a person. What What is interesting in hearing you say that is that I've always thought when guys get hurt, especially really early in the season, that that's got to make it even worse because you don't you didn't have a chance. I mean, you played whatever five quarters all season. It wasn't it wasn't like it was, you know, late November and you've played 12 games. Yeah. And so you really. Not only are you out for the season, you didn't do almost anything in this season. So, man, you're you're going to go a long time without playing much football. Yeah, it drives you insane. Uh, to be completely honest, um, you you, you want to lose your mind. Uh, but like you said, I think in general, no matter when you get hurt, uh, especially when it's an injury that you sit out the rest of the year or you have to get surgery and miss the season, uh, whether it's week one or or week. 14 or week 12, I think that they're still uh, awful. But yeah, you're right. You know, I, I put in a lot of hard work um, this offseason. 
Um, you know, I felt like it was probably one of my better all seasons, and I felt like uh, I was very strong, very fit. Uh, my body was in great, great form. Um, you know, I, I really thought, um, you know, throughout the season I was going to be able to have a, a big, big year, um, you know, for, for my team. Uh, but unfortunately it didn't happen, but um, I got hurt. But like I said, I think it happens for a reason. There was 40 days between the time of your injury and the time of the surgery. Was that COVID related? Oh, uh, well, I didn't know. That's, I didn't know it was 40 days, but um, no. So um, I did my MCL too. Okay. They wanted to, you know, I, I didn't have to get some people do their MCL and you have to go in there and get surgery on it. Um, they just, my MCL healed on its own. And like it takes like four to six weeks um, to let the MCL heal. Um, when you when you do that, so that that was the whole the thought process of it was let that heal on its own and let it scar in pretty well, um, and then open the knee up and, and go in and, and and replace ACL. I would think that in that time that you're waiting to have the surgery, I wonder if your mind is playing tricks with you. Like, come on, let's get it done. I want to start rehab and I want to I want to get going and, and start to get ready again. Were you? Were you really anxious to have the surgery, and was it playing any tricks on your mind? Definitely playing tricks, but you start rehabbing the next day. To be completely yeah. honest, um, it's prehabbing, I guess you could say, because uh, you got to rehab the MCL um, and treat the MCL like you just tore it, and you got to like basically treat it like if you were going to be out four to six weeks and come back and be able to play in the season. Um, so you, you I, that's what I had to do. Um, you know, it, I'm happy that we did that. Uh, I think that was the best thing for my knee. Um, it sucks because it makes it feel like I've, I'm three months out of surgery. It makes it feel like I'm actually been four or five months out of surgery, but I'm not. Um, <clears throat> so, like, when you're in your rehab process and, you you know, then they put the goals and what you want to reach and, and try to get to, um, you realize that you're not, like, in your back of your mind, you're like, well, I did all this. I tore my ACL September 20th, but, no, I actually didn't get surgery until October 30th. Um, so I guess you could say it plays tricks with you in the beginning, um, but um, it was something that was needed, and, and I'm glad that we were able to do that. I'm glad that my MCL healed uh, really well. You were – I've heard players who've, who've had major knee surgery talk about how depressing it is from the standpoint that, you know, you were in the middle of the biggest team sport there is, and then all of a sudden you're gone. You're an outsider you know, next man up, you know, now it's Wayne Gallman's turn and hey, good luck, Saquon, but we got, we got to play. How does, how is that for you as a high achieving athlete, your whole life to sit there and watch your team play football without you? Um, definitely hard. Um, definitely was hard. It sucked. Um, you know, uh, it kind of like, it was weird. And like I saying, like, Especially, even especially when we started playing well, like you're kind of like jealous in a weird way. Yeah, um, yeah. Not it's not like in a way that you're like, oh, like they're playing good without me. No, it's like you're you're so happy for them, but like you you want to be part of it because you've been part of it so long. Um, so that definitely was a challenging thing, but to be honest, it motivated me. Um, you know, especially when we started playing well. Um, especially when the running game start going, and we got the running game going, um, you know, it, it motivated me during my rehab and during my process. And you know, I was in LA uh, rehabbing uh, for a little bit, um, but you know, I, I kind of missed 
miss being in the facility. Just, you know, even though with COVID. It you know, had to be weird watching the games on TV. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> COVID, it, it, was, it was harder, but I missed it. So I kind of, you know, came back and just started rehabbing uh, with, with the Giants. And, you know, obviously we have amazing staff. So um, rehabbing with them. And, and it kind of allow, allowed me to be around the guys way more than I was within the first four weeks uh, of, of my rehab. You had to be really happy watching because, look, at the start of the year, kind of everybody thought this was just going to be, a, you know, a kind of a bridge year with a new coach. But, you know, you're watching the games, and after a while you say, man, we're really pretty good. Look yeah. at this defense. You yeah. know, so, so I have to believe that you're looking at this team and saying, hey, there's no reason why we can't be really good this coming year. Um, yeah, uh, honestly, I, I, I think it's weird why, you know, other people aren't looking at it the same way. Uh, you know, we're, we were in a lot of those games and we finished the year, especially midseason, finished the year how we, we wanted to be. At the end of, the, season, at the, end of the, the year, we were able to put ourselves in position to play for a playoff game. Um, and we had to win the game to make it to the playoffs. We did that. We, we, we did what we needed to do there. Um, unfortunately, the uh, the football team, Washington football team, were able to beat the Eagles, and we were we were kicked out. So we got to learn from that moment that we got to go back and have an amazing off season. And when the start of the season happens, start off the season so much more better. It's that we're not in, in that position. But I think it shows so much talent, you know, so much growth in our team. What we have, you know, the offensive line coming together. Uh, Daniel Jones playing really well. Our defense playing lights out. Um, I think that started showing throughout the season. Um, and I believe, you know, uh, hopefully I can come back and, and, and be um, not just who I was before, but even better. And, um, you know, you know, uh, DG and Joe and all those guys are going to add some more pieces. I think we can really be a great team next year, in my opinion. We'll end with this. So when you show up in training camp, whatever, August 1st, let's say, you know, that's still five, six months from now. But do you have any fear that you're not going to be as good as you were before? Or who will you be, do you think, this summer, this fall with the New York Giants? Um, no, I, I don't have any fear about that at all. Um, I, I just don't think that's the way you can operate it at all. Um, to be honest, those those thoughts don't don't even cross my head. Um, the thoughts that do cross my head is nothing but positive thoughts. Um, and um, to be honest, I, I, I foresee hopefully that I can come better for my team. And the way I do that is is just come by every single day. Um, you know, the days I have rehab, attack it. Um, you know, work on the little things. And I think if you take care of the little things, everything else is going to take care of itself. My thanks to Brett Veach and Saquon Barkley, both of whom I feel confident are looking for better days in the next few days and in the next few months. Brett Veach, obviously, on Sunday in Tampa Bay. Saquon Barkley, obviously, this coming summer, getting back on the horse with the New York Giants. And before we get out, I just want to give you a little programming note uh, that I really think you ought to, if you have time, you ought to pay attention to it. On all NBC Sports digital platforms um, by Thursday. So if you listen to this on Wednesday, you know, later this week on Thursday will be a real thought-provoking panel discussion 
with our own Tony Dungy and also our own Michael Smith. Um, they'll have a discussion with Jim Caldwell, the former Detroit head coach, and with a very influential club president uh, of the Atlanta Falcons, Rich McKay, talking about minority coach hiring and why is it going to be the case again in 2021? You realize that of the 30 NFL coaches, in uh, 32 NFL coaches this coming season, only three of them will be black. Be two other minorities, but only three out of 32 will be black when the vast majority of the players in the NFL are black. So you can listen to that discussion and how in the world although we've been talking about this for so long, how in the world it can get better. And next week I'll be back with a breakdown of the Super Bowl, a couple of guests, no clue who, but it'll be something that uh, I'll bring back with me from Tampa and hopefully you'll enjoy it. But please enjoy the Super Bowl this week. Um, enjoy what I think will be one of the most unusual sports events of the year and certainly one of the most unusual football games of our lifetime. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll see you back here next week. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.